Well, good evening everybody and welcome to Kingdom Conversations. It is Wednesday night and we are here at 1914 Trade Zone Boulevard in San Jose, California. Our phone number here at Astounding Love of Global Church Fellowship is 408-945-4439 and we are live in our, in our, I, we call this our studio. Second, second, second sanctuary studio. And so that's where we are. I'm Pastor Lindsay Lee, and I get to be the host for this program tonight. And I believe we're going to have some fun. We're going to kind, of, we're going to talk about vision a little bit. We're going to allude the same scriptures that our Apostle Dr. Baker talked about last night on her really telling it like it is Tuesday night chat. And then we're going to go into I think uh, I, I'm going to share some kingdom conversations that I have been blessed to have. And I'm going to invite you to activate to have some conversations of your own. So let's pray, and then we'll do what we do. I like that. Uh, can I do the Dr. Baker thing? Is that all right with everybody? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Father, we thank you. I thank you for jocularity. As um, Father Mulcahy used to say that all the time on MASH. Jocularity, jocularity. And I thank you for fun and for smiles and for um, the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. I thank you for the power of repentance, the power of, of going and appropriating the blood of Jesus to cleanse us from all acts of unrighteousness um, or even thoughts of acts of unrighteousness. I thank you for... <laughs> I thank you for your sense of humor because you made us, and it truly it takes a sense of humor to look at mankind, especially the way sometimes we, we behave. And I thank you so much that you love us and you put yourself in us. We are filled with the Spirit of the Lord, those of us that are born from above. We are loved by you. We are, are wrapped up in your arms. And there's scripture for all this. And that's the beauty of it, is, is this, the holiness of this word and the intimacy of it. And I pray to be able, Holy Spirit, to articulate your thoughts and your, your, the words that heaven desires to be released to all of us in our hearing tonight. There are things that are going on all over the United States of America, and if I am to believe every evil report, I would be a very depressed person. But I've read in your word that the one that sits in the heavens laughs at the rage of the kings of the earth and the heathen, the, the nations that are raging. Because you know what you have said, and because you know what you will do, and because you know how to orchestrate your plans to come to fruition and to happen precisely the way that you said it. So when it all comes down to it, all of the, the naysays and the ugly and the evil, I am going to keep my trust in you, and I'm going to keep my eyes upon your word, and I'm going to keep saying what you say, and I'm going to keep bringing to you every little attitude that I might have, and I'm going to keep bringing my behavior to you until it is in full alignment with you. And I'm going to keep saying, again I say that, I'm going to keep saying what you said. I'm going to keep reading what you wrote. I'm going to keep sharing what you want to share. I'm going to keep praying for people. I'm not going to stop believing that you are more powerful than what I see with the natural eye. I refuse to stop believing in the power of my God being supreme over everything else. You are the supernatural creator possessor of the heavens and the earth, and ultimately it is your kingdom come and your will be done. When my Jesus triumphed over death and principalities and powers, 
and made an open open show of them, showing their weaknesses no matter how craftily they thought that they had their plan. But he, in obedience to you, denied evil the right to overcome. And that is where my faith is set, in what Jesus did. And in the fact that he was not all the all of the contentions, all of the evil, all of the plans, all of the plots, all of the wickedness, even to the place of crucifying him uh, at Calvary. But none of it succeeded in overthrowing the power of God or the word of God or the truth of God or the will of God. In fact, it caused such a disaster in the in the dark realms that they still have not recovered from it. So though they hit us, we strike back with the word of God. Though they try to intimidate us, we remind them that they are underneath our feet. And though there are many men and women that are trading in their humanity or or being duped into darkness, my 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 life and my belief is still in you, O oh God, because I know what I know. I know that you do not fail. And I'm so grateful for that. You are our joy. And you are our strength. And you are our hope and our refuge in times of trouble. And you have a word for the people of the United States of America, in fact, the entire nation. You have words for the governors. You have words for the mayors and the, and the senators and the, and the, and the representatives and, and the council. You have a word that you've spoken about the president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, and his vice president, our, our vice president, Mr. Michael Pence. You have words that you have spoken concerning every single person's life. And if they choose to bow to the will of God, to the pleasure of God for them, then they will find themselves coming into a delightsome land but if they do not, that was their choice. But the will of God will still be made known. And I, I count on that. I pray for apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers that walk in anything but what God has said, that they will turn around and come out of the stupor and come out of the fear and come out of anything and everything, the pride or, or whatever it might be, because I don't know. But come out of those things and come into the light that each of us, male, the, the men and women of God, will do what we were placed here to do. The seers and the intercessors and the, the, the individuals in the various areas of society, wherever we are. The marriages that form and prosper because they walk by the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I can go on and on and I will. But I'll talk to the people too. So I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus. Because once you get started, you know, it's like I, I feel almost like a little kid that just says, I absolutely I will not believe. I will you know, you're trying to tell me that that your God is bigger than my God, I don't believe you. If your God is the devil, you're a liar. And so is he, you know. So <laughs> that's what it feels like sometimes. I'm not <laughs> It's interesting. Let's go ahead and look at the slides. Um, we're talking for a brief moment, and I, I want to go through these not so fast that it makes your head spin, but because I know that we're going to continue with these as we're, as we're going on, you will see the vision 
and talking about the vision every single week until it's so formed in us that it, uh, you know, that, it, that it's all that comes out of us. Funny story. This morning, we were on a 5 a.m. prayer call, and Crystal and Dr. Baker were praying about Chicago. And then Dr. Baker called my name and asked me if I, I mean, not Chicago, Flint, Michigan. And, um, and I was being called on, you know, to, see, uh, to, to give a report about Chicago. But I've had issues with my, one of my telephones in the house. And I don't like to use my cell phone on the prayer calls in case Dr. Baker's asking for something and I want to look it up real quick. So I tried to keep my cell phone free. But my, uh, my bedside telephone has not been dialing the number. And so I decided just this morning, forget it, I won't use it, I'll use my other phone, which is another cordless, but I don't really know how to use it. We just discovered today it had a hold button. I found that out this morning. So she called on me, and I hit what I thought was the star button, because you know, we star six to mute. Even if you hit your mute button on your phone, you double mute, so that if you are snoring, it won't come through. <laughs> or if something, your coffee's percolating, or whatever's going on in your day, it's not coming onto the prayer call so that we hear those famous words. Somebody say it, not muted. And we don't want to hear that and be the one. You know, it's like, ooh, you're going to get it. But it's not going to be me, right? So I do all that. Well, this morning when she called on me, I thought I hit the star button because, I, you know, it's star six, unmute. That's how you do it. Well, no, apparently I hit the speaker, okay. and then <laughs> I couldn't hear anything because it had gone back to, you know, ear, uh, to, to your ear, handset. And then I hit another button, and I thought, surely that was it, but that's how I found out I have a hold button on the phone that only works if there's three people. And then I hit, I, I was like, if I hit this button, I'm going to disconnect. I, I know that button, so that's not it. So I go back over to try to do it. By that time, she was all into talking about the book and stuff. So I never said a word. So you know I got a phone call immediately after the prayer. Yeah. Were you on the call? Yes, ma'am. I was on the call. But she said, well, why didn't you come on? I said, let's call this a technical difficulty. <laughs> I didn't know how to use my phone. So we're going to go through a tutorial tonight. <laughs> anyway, that was funny. It had nothing whatsoever to do with the vision. But I thought it was fun. Okay, I like to tell stories. So our kingdom vision is, is what we are, what was released to us at Astounding Love on Sunday in the second session of Biblical Solutions for Life. Dr. Baker started to tell us the different aspects of the vision. And one of the things that was important was she gave scriptures. And this, this first scripture, Ezra 6.14, was actually when I, I received, she gave it to Crystal. And between us, we were working on trying to get everything together so that we would all have, you know, start to be able to read the same thing and speak the same thing because it's all pointing toward what this ministry is called to do. And it's very exciting because, you know, after all these years, we actually, it's kind of like having one dance step and all the years go by that people are dancing and you're always out of step because you only have one where they never play the right songs and nobody's doing what you do. And then one year, this song comes out 
And your dance step matches the rhythm. If you ever saw the movie The Jerk, this is very much that same scene where Steve Martin's character finally, with big band, he got he had rhythm. You know, he always had that rhythm, but they weren't playing the music that his rhythm matched. And finally, they did. You know, and that's what this was like. We got our vision. We're we are being we're conforming to the to the vision to the picture that God had, and this is our time. And now we know what to do. And so now we're learning how to do it, and we're learning together. So here, Ezra 6.14, so the elders of the Jews built, and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Edu. And they built, this is it, they built and finished it according to the commandment of the God of Israel, and according to the command of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. They built and they finished. We have built or started to build many things, but we are in our time to not only build, but to finish. And we are prospering through the prophesying. So the prosperity comes all these years, 10 years for some people, 20 years for others, people that have just been holding on. And you know, why are you still going to that place? Yeah, this blah, 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 blah stuff that people say. But we're in our season now. Our song is playing. We know how to dance to this. We know what to do. You know, this is like, I've waited my whole life for this moment. Our destiny being fulfilled. That's where we are. And so this, to me, Ezra 6.14, they built and they prospered. We're in, the, that's, this is our season through the prophesying. In our case, it's through what God has said to Dr. Baker and other people that have spoken. If many people have come through and looked at us and went, I don't think there's any life in this. I mean, talk about doom, despair, and agony on me. They were trying to sing all the old hee-haw songs against us. But they were wrong. I mean, okay, so you got this scattered few, but no, there's more than just, we're just the representatives of many. Somebody had to stick around so the thing would still go. Yep, yep. And here we are. All right? So I'm just saying, it's not a failed work. It's just, it's, we're at, we're at the launch. And here this scripture was. So that's Ezra, what I get out of Ezra 6.14. But as you read it, see what God gives you. And we'll find out. And I might ask you that, I might ask you that on Sunday. Second Chronicles 20.20. 20. So they rose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, it's really not a J, but a Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Established, established, planted, prospered, recognized, rooted, grounded, immovable, steadfast, believe as prophets, and you shall prosper. And again, there it is. Believe first in God. God said it first. Believe it. Then he said it. Then believe the prophets. Because what's the function? <coughs> Excuse me. The primary One of the primary functions of the prophet. Say what God said. Speak for God. So now, believe in the Lord your God. And believe his prophets who are only going to say what God said. And you shall be established because those are the words that he's going to speak, the words that establish you. And believe his prophets, really, yes, 
Because you shall prosper. Because the prophet is prophesying that God said you shall prosper. How do I know? Because I'm reading it. Okay. Next one. Acts 17, 26. And has made. This is the one. This is the kicker. Right here. And is made of one blood all nations. And that word when you look it up nations is ethnos. All ethnicities of men. For to dwell on all the face of the earth. And he has determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. So he's made us of one blood, only one human blood. Anybody that ever knows or learns anything about DNA, they'll find out if they saw traces of blood and they're checking it, they have to check uh, for signs of human blood if they're looking for a murder scene. Because there can be cat blood or there can be dog blood or there can be uh, they, somebody went hunting and they brought back you know, deer blood or something. But human blood stands alone. And so what he said is there's only one type of blood that flows through. There's no, no such thing as black people's blood or white people's blood or Mexican people's blood or Indian or Native American people's blood or European blood. It's only one blood. There's no, people may like to pride themselves on being blue blood. But you know, everybody's blood is blue until it hits the oxygen, and then it turns red. So no, one blood, one blood, okay? All nations of men, all nations. So that's a powerful thing, because that's all ethnicities, everybody, everybody. We're in, we, we are, we, we have the same origin, unless somebody tries to change and mess it up, you know, by interjecting demon uh, stuff in it. But otherwise, this is, this is what it is. So Acts 17.26 is a keynote scripture. I believe that we'll hear it every single week. And, and, and we ourselves are praying it because it solidifies love for mankind. Yes. See, it's love for all mankind. My Canadian siblings or my um, Mexican siblings or my Australian or New Zealand siblings and so forth, those that are of the family of God because this one blood and then you know you read where he talks about and one um, we are of one house we are we're one we're one in Christ Jesus so there's another blood that satisfies the requirements if you will heals this human blood the blood of Jesus can heal the separation and the divides in the body of Christ and then as the body of Christ allows ourselves to be one and get rid of all these stupid divisions, then we're going to see a healing in the world. Because they, everybody's looking for perfection and they'll make up something that is actually based on a lie until true perfection comes. Perfect love, perfect truth, perfect grace, the perfect God. And when he appears, those that are broken and those that are hurting, they want it. So we are being perfected. The Lord who perfects the things that concern us. I've been speaking that scripture over my life for over 20 years. More than that. Psalm 138 verse 8. But he really makes perfect. That word perfect is typically translated completes the things that concern me makes them perfect, makes them good in his sight. So you get a lot out of Acts 17, 26. Let's find out what you get out of it. 
Because these scriptures are not just there to be preached to us, but are words that we are to allow to dwell in us and then to flow out of us, all right? Let's keep going. Galatians 3.28 is another one. There's neither Jew. I got another story for you. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So I think I mentioned to some of you once upon a time, I was having this lovely encounter of sorts, meaning, I don't know, it was a conversation with God or I got a, as I was praying, I saw something. And it was this cute little uh, blonde chick, and she's just laughing, 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 real bubbly kind of stuff. And there was just great joy as I was seeing it. And I just got this funny impression that it was me. I don't know why, but it was just like somehow I recognized her, right? And so I'm kind of talking to the Lord, and um, and I'm like, um, was was that me? Yeah, it was you. I said, okay, so I've always heard that your spirit looks like you. And last time I checked, I blonde. Sometimes I got that, but she's white. So how come I'm looking like a white blonde woman, God? You know, <laughs> there's neither Jew nor Greek, right? If you're God colored, who said you're limited to one thing? You see, what I we get stuck with is the house. I live in a brown house with brown and blonde roof. The roof of my house is blonde and brown. And the house itself, the exterior of the house is brown. But that's not, the inhabitants on the inside don't look like the house. The house might reflect them. But they don't look like the house. And so when I'm God colored, sometimes he said, well, this is what he told me. He said, when you are of a particular joy and laughter, that's how you look. That's what you look like in the spirit. You're a bubbly blonde. Which should make the boys that I went to high school with, they were right all those years, because that's what they told me. You know, if you were white, you'd be blonde. Well, it turned out you don't have to be white. You just have to get hair. <laughs> or color, whatever it is, okay? You can be what you want to be. But they saw me, you know, but that's what the Lord said, because I was like, no, that's about the strangest thing I've ever seen. And, but this is the scripture. There's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And one in Christ Jesus means we're all parts of the same body. We're all connected, vitally connected in him. So when you minister, it's the spirit of, of, of the born, this is the born from above spirit um, that, that is ministering through the vessel that you live in. And I thought this was so awesome because I was reading this book where she, she's talking about Jesus, okay, and, and how he made, how he reappeared, um, how he reappeared when he, after his, after his uh, resurrection and when he was going in to do what he did. So let me see if I can find this real quick because it was just an awe to me. Let me see. She says, you think that you know him. You know, you think that, that we think that we've seen him and... We think that we know him, but we know him after the flesh. 
And I'm going to get into that some more. In fact, let me, let me just keep going, and then I'm going to come to the story when I tell you. But there it is. Your, your, your identity is not based on your gender. Your identity is not based on your ethnicity. It's not even your status, because you're not a slave. You are free. But sometimes you're a slave because of things that you might allow, you know? Things that you allow to rule you that should not have rule over you. But he's saying, but in Christ Jesus, you're free from all of this. You're free from the, the you're free from the ethnicity issues. You're free from the the, the 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 social status issues. You're free from the gender issues. Because you're one in Christ. Your identity got elevated beyond the things that people make so much of here. There's a lot of stuff I just started letting go of because I realized it's like, you know, this really doesn't matter. I'm making such a big deal out of watching a this or running after this or being seen by this or, you know, all of these different things. I'm not telling us that we don't do what we're called to do. In no way, shape, or form am I diminishing the calling on our lives. But I'm saying that there are many things that we have knocked about, knocked ourselves out to go after that have no eternal value. Do you see what I mean? No eternal value whatsoever. And that's the kind of thing that we want to give over and say, no more. I'm gonna, when I pursue the kingdom, you might pursue the kingdom on a golf day, on a golf, uh, what is it, course? Thank you, there's a golfer over there. Um, I was about to insult, the, I, w I was not going to insult her, a golf field. <laughs> yeah, she, a, a golf course, a range is, is different. I know that. <laughs> I know that. All right. Um, you may be pursuing the kingdom by practicing your putting. You may be pursuing the kingdom by going into a store and sitting in a, in a, in a circle with others and knitting. You may be pursuing the kingdom by buying a hot fudge sundae at your favorite homemade ice cream shop. I like that third one. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty good. Okay. Um, you may be pursuing the kingdom on your knees. You can be pursuing the kingdom in so many different ways from the religious idea that the only way to pursue the kingdom is to read your Bible and pray and, and, and that's it. Because we seek the kingdom, which is within us, we seek to express the kingdom everywhere we go. So we got to go somewhere. Might be in a restaurant. Might be the tip that you leave somebody. And the Spirit of the Lord says, no, I want everybody at this table to bless this person. Don't just tip this person. I've heard many people tell stories of that, that they were out and about, and and they enjoyed the, the waitstaff person, or the person was just a hot mess, really, and they weren't getting very good service. And so finally somebody says, what is the story? Because they were moved by the Spirit of the Lord. Oh, well, I'm sorry, I don't really mean to be this way, but da 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 and the college thing, and I'm trying to do this, that, and the other. And I, I heard a story once, if, I, if I'm telling it correctly. It was probably about six or seven millionaires of sorts, and they were sitting there after they had gone on a motorcycle ride or something, and, they were, and the, wait, the, the wait staff, the waitress, she was, she was pretty good, 
and she was striving and she really just started enjoying their camaraderie because of the way that they were expressing the Lord and, and so forth. And so she started getting kind of pulled into that and talking to them. And so they asked her about herself. And so she told them, you know, yes, and I'm trying to go to school, but da 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 And as she had gone away and she's serving others and they're watching and she's just really good at what she was doing. The Spirit of the Lord moved on one and then the other. We're going to pay for her college. You know, how much is your college? And they're, they're, they were big money type people. How much is your college? And so forth. And they, they paid her tuition. They just paid it off completely. And of course, what happens? Because the prophetic move has just happened. Because the love of God has just been expressed. Boo-hoo, 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 I can't believe it. You're kidding me. No. Because the Lord is saying that you, you, there's a, and there was a prophetic word for her. God has something for you. For the first time in your life. This is away from her story now. Maybe God caused you to do something of that sort for someone to show his generosity. And they're, they're thinking to themselves, what do I owe you? And it's like, oh no, no. God says, your days of taking your clothes off to get what you needed for your family are done. And he'll remove somebody out of having to sell herself all those years. And he'll just say, your needs are met. There's no shame when that word is delivered. Because she just got made free, you understand? This is what the church is here for. We didn't come to take something from you. We came to restore something to you. That's the kingdom conversation. And so we're looking to have it. And that's why we don't identify as according to our ethnicity or according to our work status or, or, or you know whatever you, what you're thinking or your gender but you're thinking and acting and releasing and sharing the vision as one who is in Christ Jesus. Okay? So there's lots more. Can't wait to hear what you got out of it. Let's keep going. Matthew 6.33. Tonight, it not only has the heading, but the actual scripture is there. <laughs> Last night, you saw Matthew 6.33, but you didn't see Matthew 6.33. Because I made a typo. Actually, I just failed to copy-paste it uh, and had to copy, duplicated another slide. So all the mistakes, that was my fault. Okay, Matthew 6.33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. All the stuff that I was just talking about. It's so much more fun to go someplace and think, how do you want to express the kingdom? It's not just looking for the kingdom, but it's looking for a place to reveal the kingdom. It's looking for a place to manifest the kingdom, to release the vision of the kingdom, to release the love of the kingdom, to release the words of the kingdom, to release the power of the kingdom, to just touch somebody, you know, okay, maybe you don't because people physical distance, but I can point to you and I can say from this time forward, those headaches are gone, no more in the name of Jesus. And have it be that someone will point here, and say, the issue that you've been having every month with your menstrual flow, this was the last time. I speak normality to you in the name of Jesus. And from this time forward, the excessive cramping, the headaches, and everything, and the overflow of blood, bleeding, you're done with that. It's finished for you in the name of Jesus. There's nothing wrong with your system. You do not need to have surgery. The God, Lord God Almighty, by the words that I release, has just regulated your cycle, and it is well with you in Jesus' name. 
So it can be, and that's a true word. So take it. Um, so whatever it happens to be, we're having a conversation. What's a kingdom conversation? It's a conversation with the king, and then I tell somebody about it. He's talking to me about somebody. And when I come across that individual, I release what he said. Or I release what he said to me about someone or someone's or the, a nation or whatever it is in a prayer time. But whatever it is in that moment, the kingdom of God has just come to you. Because we've just released the words of the king, the favor of the king, the will of the king that you were healed. You are, you, you are set free. You have eyes to see. You have ears to hear. That the, that the thrumming in your ear that has continued on and on and like today, 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 it's muted never to return in the name of Jesus. Can you just make this stuff up? I don't know if you can. I don't. I just open my mouth and it comes out. And I know it's for someone. Because I'm not thinking about it. But these are the, these like, but we're willing vessels. We're kingdom vessels. And so then we go to Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord, the, Dr. Baker is really loving this one. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I don't want for anything. The Amplified Bible, I think, uh, says it a little bit differently. Let me look at that. Um, Psalm 23. Because I have an apple pencil. Don't ask me where it is. Okay. The Lord is my shepherd to feed, guide, and shield me. I shall not lack. Um, another one. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. I always have more than enough. Um, another one. They say I shall not. Uh, I shall not. I shall not. And that word is um, I won't be without. I will not be without. I shall not want. And that word, you know, want, I shall not lack. I shall not go without. I shall not be overlooked. I shall not be empty. I shall not um, fall short because he's the one that guides you into your prosperity. He's the one that guides you to the places of provision. He's the one that leads others to you to release for you. You know, the sheep go all over the place and find the food. So he said, yeah, they'll put the food out there and you'll be out there and you and the food will find each other and it'll be a lovely meeting. <laughs> Fine dining. Uh, on God's on God's on God's um, wallet on his on his not credit card but he's he pays for it you see what I mean so that's an important one also just to say no I, I won't want I don't want for anything I shall not lack I, I shall not suffer need I shall not be without and and the way that she said it to us on Sunday that your bills are paid before you even get the bill that the, I, I might be uh, quoting that a little differently but that it, this is something that that uh, was done. Does anybody have any questions before I keep going? Because I'm going to keep going. But do you have questions? No? Okay. All right. I wrote down first. Did you have a question? Okay. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, ma'am. I think I recall her saying that the bill is paid before I even make it. Mm -hmm. So that whatever it is that we need to acquire was the way I took it. Mm -hmm. He has already made provision for it. Is that yeah. I think so. I wrote all of my bills are paid when I make the bill. So think about it. 
Think about you have abundant supply. I know individuals that use charge cards, like the American Express, because they don't want to carry that much cash, nor do they want to write the checks. But at the end of the month, when the, when, when the charges come through, it's a simple thing to pay it in full because they had the money all the time. They didn't use it by way of uh, writing checks or carrying cash. They used that Amex card or their Visa card or whatever their card was. They used it as a charge card, not a credit card. A credit card accrues interest and builds a bill. You only pay a portion of it as opposed to paying the thing in full. But a charge card, typically what you do with a charge card is when the bill comes due, the entire amount is due at the same time, and you simply pay it because it was just a... <coughs> Excuse me. I dread carbonated. Um, because it was a convenience. I already have the money. I'm just using this as my as my method. But if you call if you call the loan, if you if you call and say you need to give me three hundred and seventy five thousand dollars tomorrow, that's not a problem for me. Fine, I'll just get it out of the bank and pay you. Because the thing is paid for. I I just I you know at the time that I acquire it, I already have what it takes to pay it off. And we do because we have abundant supply. So at the time that the bill is, is made, the provision has, is, is remember in um, Genesis when Abraham was going up the hill to care and Isaac to, to sacrifice him, suppose, okay, but the ram was traveling up the hill at the same time. So the ram was already there and it was already in what they call the thicket or the brambles or whatever, it was already caught. But Abraham didn't know it. And so God said, I will supply the sacrifice. The point for you was to release faith in the earth for resurrection power. Because that's what Abraham and Isaac did. You're gonna find that one in Kingdom 202, I wrote a lot about it, but isn't it awesome because Abraham and his son went up, and I, Isaac was not an eight-year-old boy. He was a young man. So he had to be quite willing to let this old dude, over 100 years old, put him on an altar. Because he could have very possibly, I don't know, because I don't know the strength of Abraham there. Abraham, from what I could tell from the wars and stuff, he got he, he was he was a pretty tough guy. Okay, and, and Isaac, of course, is gonna have respect for his father. It's like, yeah, how much trust do you have for your dad when your dad's like, oh, son, yeah, get above here, you know, the sacrifice. And he's still laying there. He didn't have like a, a date, date drug or something to knock him out. So he had to see the knife coming toward him. He had to see the look on his father's face. But the look on his father's face would have been quite interesting because it wouldn't have been the look of somebody who says, I'm going to kill you, boy. It was the look of somebody who said, I don't know how this is going to work, but I expect you to get up. I don't expect to go down the hill without you. Because what he told his servant was, we're gonna, my son and I, we will return to you. We're gonna go up the hill to worship. So Abraham had faith for resurrection power before anybody had ever been resurrected. Yeah. Wow, and Isaac had faith in his father and what his father said. So he, trusted his father that even if he should die he would be raised up so that father and son released the same faith that God and Jesus have 
So when he did that, he and God said, no, I'm not going to let you owe me. So I've provided the ram and the thicket, but he was also saying, I will provide the sacrifice. Because now that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me, covenant terms meant, therefore I cannot withhold my son, my only son, from you. So the faith to be resurrected from the dead that Jesus needed came through the loins of Abraham and Isaac. It was there. It was in the bloodline to believe that though I be slain, my trust in my father to see me raised up again, I, I can die knowing that I will get up again. It's there. You know, and I'm like, wow, this is awesome. So the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Give this person the last of your zucchini spinach soup. <laughs> and trust that there will be more zucchinis and spinach in your future it's not the last my, my grandfather, my mother's father was known for saying to my grandmother my last is never, never my last and so what I gave is what was, was on hand now but the expectation of the need being met the return is there, it's in us because the Lord is my shepherd. I'm not going to want for anything. Whatever you need that we've got, you've got it. Because I'm not, well, you, you gave everything from your house. No, I didn't. I just gave you what was on hand. This house is tuned in to always have. Because that's scriptural. And you, God is able to do or, uh, to do or to make all sufficiency to abound to you. And you, always having. That's who we are, the always having. So the need is met. The needs are already met. And so since the need, the bill would need to be paid, then wouldn't you think that the need is met? There you go. So it's paid because the need is met even before you know you have a need. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Yes. So that's what you, this, this is our vision, to speak the truth. The provision was made to feed 5,000 and more. One little lunch, because everybody else ate their snacks. And they were still hungry. But the one kid hadn't eaten. And they took his. Well, what do you think about that? Well, my mom only gave me enough food. These are just little tuna sandwiches my mother gave me for me. And you're wanting me to take, you want to, okay. Apparently the kid caught on with the message. Because I don't know about you, but have you ever tried to get food out of a kid? <laughs> When it's theirs, can I have some of your candy? No. And they'll slobber all over it. Certain age, a little older. You look at your kid, it's like, Raymond, your milkshake looks a lot better than mine. Can I have some? This is the answer. This is how the answer goes. Okay. And then they take their straw out, give you the cup with their hand on it. And about the time it touches your lip, it comes back away. That should be enough. It's like, I didn't even get any. You got enough. You got a taste. That's how you get it. This is mine. Right? But we're not talking about that kind of kid. This kid gave up his lunch. And he ate probably more than he should have. But everybody's need was met. 
because God has sent someone to bring what was needed for the supernatural multiplication. The supply was there. We're often said that our answers are the, what we need is in the house. It may not be within the person, but it's somewhere in the house. There's, there's a phone call to be made or there's something, there's an avenue, a revenue stream, um, whatever, the, there's, there's, a, there's a, a skill, a talent, an ability, a contact. The needs are met because God knows the need before it ever shows up and he sees to it that it's met. We have just begun, have begun to learn to release the faith and the expectation, that hope, that the need is met because God already said our needs are met. And it's like, well, what if it doesn't look like anything is there? doesn't matter. That's not our part. He, has, he, he hastens over his own word. That's not our part. Our part was just to believe him. We don't make him do it. He does it. And he obligated himself. And if he didn't mean it, he shouldn't have said it. He means everything he says. That's why he said it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Keep going. I think we're almost done. Psalm 24, 1, see? The earth is his. In all its fullness. This is his world. And those who dwell with it, they're in. Satan thinks they're his people. They're not. Satan thinks that he owns the earth. He doesn't. Satan thinks a lot of things. And he's wrong in all of them. God said, no, I'm the owner. It belongs to me. I'm the creator and I'm the owner. And you know, everything he created, he never gave up any of it. <laughs> That's right. He keeps with his. He keeps it. The earth is mine. I make it. It's mine. Those are my people. I made them. That's my son. Those are my words. I watch over my words. I said it, and I will make it happen. Because I said it. I own it. I own my words. And I manifest them. Do you see? I put my spirit in you so that you would have it come to pass. And all of those kind of things. So there it is. That, that's, that's, and we've been speaking that scripture for a very long time. But it has more relevance to us now because this is what we're looking at. They go, well, the ozone layer, nah, the earth is the Lord's. Well, the rainforest, no, it really won't. I know that's what you say, but it's actually not true because the earth is the Lord's. You're trying to tell me that the, the, because of the decay of sin that there's destruction in the land. Well, God, God knows what he's doing. I'm telling you that these rainforests and this ozone layer and all these things, this global warming, it's never going to overheat like that because God has spoken. The Bible says he stretched out the fabric of the skies. So it just lets you know He's so much bigger than what we give him credit for. Do you understand? So this is a very big deal. The earth is the Lord's and, and the fullness thereof and the people. Every, those that dwell with, no, this is his. This is his. He's even got plans to make a new one. You know, to renew, to get rid of the stench of, the, of evil and sin. Just to just get it all up and let's just we got something new that will never, ever, ever be tainted. I have white rugs and white chairs. And um, some of them have little oil spots and stuff right now. So they're getting ready to have a Christina Dev and a Devlin cleaning. <laughs> Christina likes to attack dirt and, and take it out. You know, she's got this real thing for it. So she'll be coming over because my furniture needs to be refreshed. 
So I'm looking forward, and I have one carpet that's going to go in my office here, and then I have another one. And it's all going to go through this whole renewal process, right? So what does that say? All the stink, all of the, the, the you know, from being in a garage or from, from uh, oil stains or dirt or whatever it is, all of the smells, all of the signs of all of the day-to-day the, the -day living that has marred the perfection will be removed from sight and also removed from the premises. And it will be very pristine and beautiful. And that's happening soon, you know, in my home. So what am I saying? That even more so, God does do restoration. God does healings. God does whatever it is that we have need of. But there's another thing that he does. He does whole new things. Far from somebody thinking, well, because I'm a Christian, I have to have all you stuff. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things got thrown out. Behold, all things have become new. So God is very much in making things new. Oh, Lord, if you just give me a pair of broken down you shoes. You might have said that at one time if you've ever been homeless and you were barefoot. Then a broken down pair of shoes would be okay. But God says, but I'd like to give you a new life where you'll never have to look for a pair of used, broken down shoes, broken down, in other words, not even good shoes. I want to give you new shoes. You may not think you're worth new shoes, but God says, well, I got a remedy for that too. I'll give you the blood price of my son, and that makes you worthy of new shoes. Okay. Revelation eleven fifteen. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And you pair that with Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage? And why are the, you know, the kings of the earth, why are they so upset? Well, really, it's because they will never be able to topple God off of his throne. I pity the fool of the tribes. Oh, yeah, that's right. Jesus said, I saw him get ejected. He fell like lightning. Yes, he sure did. That's a, that's a quick fall right there. Okay? Comments, questions? Do I have anything from online or any of that? Because I'm going to share something really cool with us. Let's go to this next one. Um, this is just to keep this and... Um, we, I have a lot of stuff that's old on the website. It's O-W-E-D. It's not O-L-D. Well, it is O-L-D, O-W-E-D, old stuff. So old, 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 old stuff. Um, we just have not done an upgrade uh, to it as of yet, but I, there, there is a, a restraining order that will be put up, and this mission statement, these things are actually already on our site, and so these are things that you can look at. It's like, um, I want to see this, I want to, then, you know, take those little cards that were purchased and, and brought here, gifted to us, and read them and keep this, I'm ever keeping this, and I know Saturday mornings, um, the vision is prayed, uh, you know, we're praying, but now it's like, proclaim it, prophesy, right, and that may be what you're doing already, so good, keep it up, but um, for everybody that's not, and most of us are not, on that, uh, what time is your prayer call on Saturdays, 8 o'clock? 8 a.m. on Saturdays. 
You know, there's an intercessory prayer call that is led by Crystal and, and her team, or the team, and they pray for the apostle primarily. That's the, the primary purpose. They also pray for the pastor, and then they pray for the ministers. And but the main thing, other thing is, uh, speaking over the apostle and releasing this vision. And I think that's the most important thing. And I'm not belittling. Don't pray for me because my God, yes, please do. Some of the days I have, I covet the prayers. I do, I do, I do, I do. Okay, so no, I'm not saying that. But in this season, these words we speak over the apostle, and these things, that, these proclamations of the vision, and the things that God has said, our mission, for, for, and our vision for more than enough ministries, our mission, and our vision for astounding love, I think it's of the utmost, and I believe that it will kind of cover everybody else, and it does. We're supposed to be praying one for another anyway. Yeah. When was the last time you turned to somebody and you said, hey, how you doing? Let me pray for you. And I got something about that too. Okay? And don't answer the question. <laughs> I'll pray for you in the car. <laughs> I'll call you later. <laughs> I got to go. The line is not usually that long at the drive-thru if I go right now. Uh, but I'll catch you because I love you. Okay? You know, no. But... Our opportunity to think about somebody besides ourselves happens every day. And you may think, oh my Lord, I pray for everybody. It feels like I'm on a prayer call every day, all day. <laughs> I, I can't, is there a day? Is there a day when you're not on a prayer call? Yes, for me, it's Wednesdays. Because <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> I'm not, I'm on prayer calls Monday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, it, at, at Monday through Friday at 5 a.m. And then Mondays, Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, I have prayer calls. Two on Friday. So, that's a lot of prayer. I'm like, sometimes I gotta, should I read the Bible? I'm just, <laughs> this is good stuff. But yeah, I should, because I want to go talk to you, Lord, separately. And, 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 and hear what you have to say, because this stuff is, you know, people are, well, I know I don't want to be one of y'all if all you do is pray. It's like, you haven't heard us pray. If you think we're going, whoa, I wouldn't want to pray with us either. But we're like, release this, and all kinds of cool stuff. And things happen, and we're seeing things, and then we're reading things in the news. It's like, oh, wasn't that what, oh, this is awesome, oh, you know. And then you get somebody calling you and sending you an email about something evil, and you're like, ah. Oh, we just got clean to hear you have to sling mud on us. Let's start over. <laughs> so, maybe that's just me. But no, from the hilarity and the jocularity in the room, I think not. Okay. So, but we're on a mission from God. And we are not Jake and Elroy or whatever their names were from the Blues Brothers. You know, because God was never in that. But we are really on a mission from God, and it's, it's the coolest thing. And at some point, I know we got theme music. I just don't doubt it. I think there are angels that are going. I think it's happening. Okay. Well, it happens in my world. Because sometimes I can hear it. I'm like. You know, it's like 1970s TV shows or something. The A-Team or... Anyway, okay, so that's me. Maybe you have Strauss or 
you know, some kind of Viennese waltz playing. Because that's also fun when you're, when you're certain types of warfare, when you're dancing with the Spirit of the Lord. start to laugh, which is really cool, because when you do that, then that enemy that was going, ha, 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 you go, ha, ha, <laughs> and they get scared, and they run, they run, are you in any deep? They run away, <laughs> fast, because you're not supposed to be laughing. This is serious. Don't you know you're fighting the devil? Shouldn't you be looking like him? No, think not. I think it's just like, <laughs> you know, like Errol Flynn in some of those old movies, I liked him. You know, he's always jumping and leaping with a sharp blade, you know, just repelling up the side of a ship, just do, 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 just these beautiful moves. When really that little rapier wouldn't hurt anybody except if they run on it because the other guys are coming with claymores and <laughs> you know, they're javelins and, 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 and crossbows and stuff like that or phallics, you know, they got these serious weapons and you got this thin little blade and what, or a little baby dagger, what's that gonna do? Nothing if it's just me, but there are many more for me. Then they were against me. Wow, that was yes. awesome. Did you see that? Yes. Cool. <laughs> okay. So, questions before I go on? I got. I, I do have something else to say, and it's going to be very good. But if you have questions, yeah, there was a movement of light. It's pretty cool. Okay. Nothing, really. Nobody's asking? Crystal is here if you want to text her. I should have told you that. Okay. All right. And I guess I'll kind of, if you have questions about even the, the revolution of time, then I can answer some of that as well because we're in the first cycle. It is the first cycle. And I can, I can talk a little bit about that. So here's our mission. To create and sustain by obeying biblical principles an organism that will be a universal leader. We are a universal leader. So we are an organism that is a universal leader in establishing the church of Jesus Christ. And look at these words. In unity, equality, and power. Those are the scriptures that we were just reading. Accelerating the healing and the building of God's kingdom according to his will. And, isn't it, and they built it and they finished it. So we're, we're in the end. We're, we're part of the completion of things. There's a lot of things that are going to happen. We get that. And we know that, that, um, uh, that, that Jesus is coming very, I really believe, very soon within these next whatever period of time in, in, within our foreseeable future. And, but while we're here, we occupy while we're here, these demonic things don't get to do what they want to do. While we're here, um, seemingly impossible shutdowns of, of organizations and things like that, um, it's simply doing Mark 11, speaking to a mountain. That's all we're doing. And Jesus says it's easy. So regardless of what we're assigned to pray about, regardless of... of, of of what we see with all hell breaking loose, meaning all kinds of hellacious things are happening because hell is trying to express itself. Why? Because truth has come. 
We're not moved by what we see. We say what God said. This mountain, these mountains must be moved. The Bible says, who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel, you shall become as a plain, with cries of what? Grace. Grace to it, the words that you speak. So just because we're not actually out there appearing to be on front lines, we're on spiritual front lines. And we're releasing the words of grace and power that cause the mountains not only to be removed, but to be swallowed up in the sea. Sounds to me like it's a pretty awesome job that we have. And the faith in God, you don't have to move the mountain. It's God's faith that moves the mountain and puts it in the sea. That's what it says in Mark 11, 22, to, what is it, 24. Jesus said, have the faith of God. Whoever, whosoever shall, then whoever will say to this mountain. So what Jesus told him is, when I spoke to that fig tree, I spoke God's words. And I had God's expectation that that's the end of that. I didn't speak of my own. I spoke what God gave me to say, and it happened just like he said. So because you're looking at mountains and obstacles, and you think they're insurmountable, there seem to be so many, and I don't even know where the sea is. You know, because where there's these mountains are, there's no water. So how is a mountain supposed to be uprooted and cast into a sea? That's really not my part to tell you because I don't know the answer to that. All I know is Jesus said to do it, and God said, I, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12, I hasten over my word. I make it happen. So Jesus is like, look, all you got to do is have God's faith in himself. Just have faith in God. You don't, have to have, you don't have to have faith. To, we call it mountain-moving faith. It's like, no, faith in God, God-moving faith. God-moving mountain faith. That's the faith you want. I don't have mountain-moving faith. I have faith in God-moving the mountain faith. God's faith in himself. And I think more stuff happens than you sitting there in a little corner. I have faith, I have faith, I have faith, I have faith, I have faith. Oh, dear Jesus, give me faith. I have faith, I have faith. You know, what are you trying to do? Build my faith? I don't think so. I think you're trying to beg your faith. You want to build your faith? Get to know God. Get to know what he's capable of. And believe that he really did all the things that you say. I mean, come on. Elijah had a ball. That showdown, even though he, you know, collapsed afterwards. But in the, in, in the, in the thick of the thing, he was shining. And that gets me to what I want to say. So let's see here. So more than enough ministry's vision to see the complete destruction of fear, bondage, pride, prejudice, and the awakening hunger for righteousness and biblical holiness in the obedient body of Christ. How do we see it? We teach it. We release it. We say it. We, we, how do we go after fear? Many people have been delivered of, of, of some. We're not finished. We got the restraining order. Now we're enforcing it. How do you enforce or execute into place anything you get from the courts of heaven? You pray. You speak. You release the word. You continue to release the word. You continue to release the word until the thing is absolutely demolished. Yes, ma'am. Since we, uh, uh, since God gave us the, the restraining order, mm -hmm. um, I've been trying to exercise that every day. Um, not necessarily the restraining order, but making making clear to myself that I'm going to be sensitive mm -hmm. whenever fear is going to creep in and then immediately 
addressing it because mm -hmm. it, it still tries to sneak in. Yes. It must be, um, the devil must really think it's one of his best weapons. It is. He just keeps using it, it seems, over and over again. Yeah, but truth is better than fear and yes. perfect love. And see, everything that we have from God is perfect. Perfect love cast out fear. So, and don't you notice that you recognize fear quicker than you yes. ever did before? You see, now that you know, it's like because I see you. And now that I see you, as soon as I see you, I can address you because I'm authorized. And that's what we're doing. We will see it. We, we do see it. And then we say what we see. It's not, it's, it's not seeing it after the fact, it's seeing it before the fact, and then speaking what enforces it so that then we see it. It's kind of like what it, it is. It's seeing it in the unseen realm. Speaking it from the unseen realm into the seen realm. So that it comes from the, um, the seen onto the seen. That's the way Dr. Miles Monroe used to put it. It comes from the scene, unseen, onto the scene, and into the scene. The S-E-E-N and the S-C-E-N-E. Seen in the scene. Oh, I see. See, you see. Okay, let's go on so I can get to. Okay, so vision and mission for astounding love is the same. The seek first, Matthew 6.33 and Habakkuk 2. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that reads it. So you do have to read it if you're going to run. you got to read the vision. If you're going to run with the vision, you got to read the vision. That's why we're keeping the vision ever before us. Because astounding love is abounding in the earth. It is our vision and mission not only to see, but to be. This is that transformation, our epikiazo, our transformation, our overshadowing to be God's manifested vision of love, faith, power, and holiness working through us his people, the church. We daily manifest his glory. See, when you see these things and you release those words, you speak those words to fear, to bondage, to, to whatever it happens to be. You speak those words and what's happening? You're manifesting his glory, his healing. When you talked about dealing with certain things with your, your family and you address that thing, you're manifesting the glory of God, manifesting the healing in those relationships. You may not be laying hands but see, the word, the Bible says God sent his word to heal. So the words themselves, the words that God has spoken will do the job. Everything else is, 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 is added, you know, because we can, when we lay hands on people, we're, we're releasing the power. We're releasing the anointing, but the, the anointing on the word is sufficient that when it find, takes root and it starts to unfold in the person or in life, it's a seed that is being planted in a heart, in a life, that grows very quickly and manifests. That's why we know words that were decrees we've prayed over our nation, over our president, words that are standing so that when people rise up, nope, they can't walk by without being touched by that word because that word has been planted and it will not be removed. It will not return to God until it is fulfilled in the thing that it has been sent to do. So when we pray for you or we speak over the house or what, whoever we're praying for, we don't just pray, speak words. We speak and release the words of God, which stand century, which 
which walk with you and talk with you and stay with you. The word of God is not an invisible little, uh, I don't even know, molecule. It is the power of God. It is spirit form looking for places to inhabit and then to express the seed, the, the fullness of the seed that we planted. You got it? You plant a seed, but it creates a harvest that wants to express what? The fullness of what was in the seed. Okay? And we'll, I'm going to talk about that again some more. So let's, uh, we're almost done here. Um, kingdom conversation. This is where we're going to end. This is our kingdom conversation. So I really wanted, um, I'm going to read something to you. She calls it, you, you've heard us say, and I still say it again, if you want to see heaven, read the word of God. Because the word of God gives you pictures. Ezekiel talks about certain things that he saw, I think it was. Daniel and um, John. You know, when he talks about, the, they talk about the sapphire, uh, uh, and they talk about the crystal, and they talk about the, or, you know, the sea, and the colors. And they talk about him who sits on the throne. And they see the, the living creatures. All of this is a description. It is a description of, a, of, a, of rooms and hallways and, and, and an area where there's a throne and it says and it's lifted and there's an altar and there's fire and there's this. And all of this, there's this one street. It's just one, it's gold. It's just a pure translucent gold. And the sea that appears to be like crystal. Though some people, gone, I've gone in and they saw themselves swimming in the sea. And they've, they've done this and they've done that because their imagination allows them to do things that are actually happening because their spirit person is doing the fun stuff. And somehow the message is getting to our mind. Can you see it? Because your spirit. Heaven is not experienced from an earthly perspective. Heaven is experienced from a spirit perspective. And when a spirit being reads spirit word, an alive spirit reads spirit word, then the pictures become a reality because we belong there. Are you seeing? It's, it, it's not seeing the stuff in the earth. It's seeing what we see and then finding out what do you want me to bring to release back into the earth because there's always a treasure. You know, God is like a southern, hospital, hosp, um, southern hospitality. You go to heaven, you always take something with you. You know, I had that. I got that from my grandmother. If you come to my house for a meal or whatever, I never leave. I don't typically let you leave my house empty-handed. There's always a little package of something here. Take this. Take some pie. Take this. Take whatever. Um, um, you know, take take leftovers. Take this because I don't let you just come and enjoy and then leave with nothing. And that's the way it is when you're visiting, when you're having that encounter. What is my takeaway? What do you want me to take to give, to pour out, you know, so that somebody else gets touched and then is able to, to see the same kind of things. So Proverbs 16, uh, verse 3, is going to be our first one. If I can get my Bible up. And go ahead and turn it to, if you have it amplified um, on your app, that's even better because that's what I want to do. And this one you, you're familiar with because I surely have been saying it for the last little while now. 16 verse 3. And it is, I'm going to just do amplified for this one. 
Roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust them wholly to him. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will, and so shall your plans be established and succeed. So how about if I pray? Lord, thank you. Today I roll my works. Now, where is there another scripture that corresponds to that? Didn't Peter say, cast the whole of your care upon him, which has to do with your works? So, okay, so let's find that. So you got Proverbs chapter 6, right? Let's see. So if you go, um, if we look at, let's see, First Peter 5, 7, and it says, Casting the whole of your care, all of your anxieties or worries, concerns, once and for all, on him, for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully, right? So there's First Peter 5, 7, and when you join that with Proverbs 16, 3, Lord, I roll my works upon you. I commit and trust them wholly to you. I cast all my cares upon you because I know that you take care of me. And so you will cause my thoughts to become agreeable to your will. And so shall my plans. I add this other part. So shall my plans be in accordance with your plans. And they are established, which we read uh, through, what was it, Ezra. So my ways are established and I succeed. And that's also in Joshua 1.8. That you, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you will meditate in it day and night, so that you will have, so that you will make your ways prosperous. Let me go ahead and go to that one too. So you see how what I'm doing is it's one scripture that leads to other scriptures that are all speaking both both covenants, the new and the old, the uh, covenant, but they're connecting together so that I can really hear Joshua one eight. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Or out of my mouth, but I will meditate on it day and night, that I may observe and do according to all that it is written in it, for then I shall make my way prosperous, and then I shall deal wisely, and I will have good success. Now that just lined up with what I read in Proverbs 16, and what I read in, in Peter, right? So I commit my works unto the Lord, and my thoughts therefore, uh, uh, therefore you've caused my thoughts to be established, that's the the King James Version, or again, the Amplified, I roll all of those cares over onto you, my works upon the Lord. I commit and I trust them wholly to you, for you will cause my thoughts to become agreeable to your will, and so shall my plans, your plans, be established and succeed. And one more, Jeremiah 29, 11 comes to mind, because you know the plans that you have for me, plans to prosper me and not to harm me, plans to give me a future and a hope. So shall my plans be established and succeed and because these are the ones that give you pleasure and like Jesus I delight to do the will of the Father I got all of that out of this one scripture because why? remember what we said before because his word is spirit and it is life and if a clean spirit the Bible talks about when an unclean spirit departs and goes, it goes seeking, uh, can't find anything, it'll come back to the place that was, that has still not been inhabited, and where it was left clean and garnished, and it will bring seven spirits um, even worse than itself. Well, wouldn't a clean spirit, the Holy Spirit, when he's dwelling in, wouldn't you get a word that will call to another word and say, come and work with me in this person's life? So you're going to bring Proverbs 16, 3, and you're going to bring Jeremiah 29, 11, and you're going to bring um, 1 Peter 4, uh, 
uh, what was it, First Peter 4 or whatever, you're going to bring into that Joshua 1.8, you're going to bring all of these scriptures to come and dwell, to be established in the person, which is what we're looking at with Colossians 3.16. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Let it inhabit. Let it, it, let it spread out. And, 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 and then that, that's going to, see what I'm saying? It, it'll lead to another one. Ephesians 2.10. Is, is this next one that we're looking at. So when you go to Ephesians, and I'm, I'm putting these into us because, as you notice, we're not just reading them, but we're eating them. Yes. So Ephesians 2.10, I am God's own handiwork. And I'm reading it mostly amplified. I am God's own handiwork. I'm his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew. See that new thing again. That I may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand, established plans. That will succeed for me, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that I should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for me to live. And as I wrote my works upon him, I stepped into what he planned. Isn't that awesome? Yes. Want to keep going? Yes, yes, cool. Me too. Okay, let's go to Ephesians 4. And we're looking at verse 11. This is the whole, I, 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 did I say to 20? Yes, okay. Because this is something. This is his gifts. He, I'm going to actually just go to King James, for, uh, New King James for this one. Um, he said here in verse 11, he himself gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ, till we all, now this is so important, and, and what I'm going to say is the, the, these passages of scripture, which have been up long enough for you to write them all down, are for us to do something with. And I really believe Ephesians 4, 11 through 20, starts to put us in alignment with this vision. It, it allows us to remove the obstacles that would hinder us from it, okay? He gave us apostles, prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping or the building up of the saints for the work of ministry or, and for the equipping of that and for the edifying, the mending of the saints for the work of ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of the faith. This is verse 13. And of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Why don't you ask the Holy Spirit what that means? Because we read that and people go, yeah, let's just get to the rest of it. Because I really didn't. So we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Perfect man. We come together to the unity. How do you do that? The mind of Christ. The unity is in the perfection of God. The unity is in the mind of Christ. The unity is in the perfect love of God. The unity is in the, the blood of Jesus and the being one blood of all nations. The unity is in the things that God said that call all this oneness. We are one new man. That new man is the body of Jesus. So we all have this thing together. See you guys that are online. Now I've gotten used to looking at these faces, but I'm still looking at you. I'm still talking to you too. All right. That we should, this is, this, this is what catches more people. This is where offense comes from. This is where um, unforgiveness comes from. This is where temper tantrums come from. This is where confusion and everything comes from. You find it in verse 14. That we should no longer be children. 
tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. I'm thinking of like a kite. It's just, okay? By the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. The misunderstanding. I gotta get to this other scripture because this, this is gonna be so important that we, we, we gotta see this. We've got to see that we get fooled when we get back into the humanity and step out of the spirit. I've had it happen to me, it happened today. And I had to really do some repenting because it's like I got a program to do and I don't want to talk to nobody. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, because I don't want to, not because I don't want to talk to people, but until I get something purged out, I can contaminate. And I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. If I got a problem, then you're not going to have that problem. We're going to, God, God, Jesus has already paid for that. Let's get rid of it. And that's my thing. That, that's really become my standard for life because I'm not going to sit at, at a table, stand in a, um, stand at a um, podium, or do anything else, teach on a Zoom call. <laughs> I won't do it. I will not let Satan intermingle his tacky stuff into the purity of God. So I don't want to be a child. And that's what, where we have, where do I need to grow up? Where am I still messed up? Where am I still sounding exactly like the people I work with? Where do I sound exactly the same? That if I ran into somebody that knew me 20 years ago, they said, child, you ain't changed at all. You still got that attitude, don't you? You still got this. You still got that. Because if you still have it, that means God doesn't have you. There's no word. There's no perfect love there. There's still fear or torment or whatever it happens to be. And the decision to change that is ours. I got uh, 12 minutes, okay? All right. Speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head. It has to be the truth in love. Perfect truth, perfect love. Because it causes us to grow. From whom the whole body, Christ, the head, the whole body, joined and knit together like your fingers are joined in all the parts of our body by what every joint supplies. You see how we need each other? According to the effect of working by which each part does its share. And this is where you can read in Corinthians that as I say I don't have need of you because it's not an I. No. Any more than you or I get to tell somebody else how they need to be when they're not functioning where we do. You see, it's like Every part does its share. We need each other. We One has this and they supply it. This is Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4. It's Acts chapter 4 and 5. That all they had all things in common. And, you know, they weren't required to do it. They did it out of a changed heart. Some of them only had the salve. And so they wanted the appearance. This is Ananias and Sapphira. They wanted the appearance of being like Barnabas. But they were jealous of Barnabas. And so they're trying to get all the lauding and the, the whatever it is that people were exclaiming and wowing God because of, uh, because Barnabas sold a property and gave everything. And here these two were, well, we want the accolades too. We just don't want to give up everything. So they went with the false appearance and they ended up getting dead because they lied to the Holy Spirit when they didn't have to. Is this everything you've got? Nope. This is the part we gave. We kept back some, but we gave this. They wouldn't have died because that was the truth. 
And it didn't say that the apostles required that everybody do it. No, what God says, you all have to supply. You have to give. You have, you have your talents. You have your abilities. I got great soup out of, out of Judge Connie's plane in the dirt, and Christina got to eat off of it. You know, we had best cucumber, and, and, and so did Minister Al and others. But we had, like, the best cucumber plus tomatoes plus red onion salad. I mean, it, it just was absolutely happening, okay? Because somebody wanted to go play in the dirt. <laughs> but her playing in the dirt gave her the ability to supply something that I personally, my body needs this kind of stuff right here. You see? It's by what every person supplies. And I talk about something, or Sharon, Sharon gets the largesse of all, I win books. Sharon reads the books I win. Sharon reads more, more, has read more of my library than I do have thus far. But the feedback that she gives me and the certain things, that, do you understand? It's, 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 we got something so special being a part of the body of Christ. We don't see it because we still want to see ourselves. And what we got to see is the one new man. Because that's the fulfillment of the vision because that's the kingdom. Seeking the kingdom so that everything is added. Your individuality is not lost. Your identity, I should say, is not lost. God knows exactly where we are. So anyway, going down to verse 20, you've not so learned Christ. You know, and he talks about those that had their understanding darkened, they were alienated, and all this, but you haven't learned that. Because verse 20, because you have not so learned Christ. Colossians 3.16, I'm going to get through these. I, I really, because I really want to land on one thing, so and I'm not going to go over. So Colossians three sixteen, it says, "Let the word of God, that's what I'm saying, dwell in you richly, and in that you will have all wisdom. You will teach and admonish one another. We'll sing fun songs, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and we will sing with grace in our hearts to the Lord. And whatever we do in word or deed, we do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And you can see how." These are tying together. Go quickly over to Hebrews chapter, you know where to go. Hebrews 13. And let's look at verse 20 and 21. This is awesome. Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, here we're back to works, make you complete in every good work to do his will working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom is glory forever and ever. Amen. In other words, it's never you by yourself. It's always in Christ or through Jesus Christ. Okay? Through Christ Jesus or through Jesus Christ. Through the, through the works that he did, the Je that Jesus did, or through Christ, the Messiah, what he released to us after the other. So I'm, I'm just saying, see, you can do the works. You can do everything that you were called to do, and you can do it perfectly because you won't be doing it. The Father in us does it. We are the vessels. We're the spirit that is alive to him to say, do it. And you don't think about the decrepitude, if you've got decrepitude, of your bones and your joints and so forth. It's not about you being tired. It's about you stirring up the gift. It's not always waiting for the honey drops of heaven and a word from the Lord to come when you don't have one. He said, then go get one. Stir up the gift. Oh, i got to read this to you. Okay, hurry up. 2 Corinthians 5, last scripture. 
This one came from a Bible study that I had today. And when we were talking, th this just came up. Verse 14, for the love of Christ compels us. Because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. I have to skip down. So then, verse 16 is the, is the verse. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, we don't know him that way anymore. We don't know him according to the flesh anymore. And we don't know each other according to the flesh anymore. Because your flesh will tick me off. I don't like the way your flesh moves. I don't like the way your flesh sings. Sometimes I don't like the way your flesh smells. I don't like the attitude that your flesh brought into the sea. But I'm looking at your flesh. I'm not looking at your spirit. And I should. Because the need is shown through the spirit. It's not going to be shown through your flesh. The flesh is going to show the attitude. The flesh is going to show all of this other stuff. And if I look at you through your flesh, uh, my flesh, and your flesh, we're going to fight. <laughs> We're going to fight. Most people are married according to the flesh. And we're going to leave that alone tonight. Okay, so, um, so i got just a few minutes to read this to you. And this is just somebody who is looking in the Bible and imagining through the pictures that we see. What would it look like? What did it look like when Jesus, it said he took captivity captive, right, and ascended? What did it look like when he showed up? Because the Jesus that came back is not the one that left. So here's what happened. She says, his re-entry. Uh, picture the scene here on earth on the mountaintop outside Jerusalem in first century Judea. It is Ascension Day, the day Jesus' body left the earthly realm, and this remarkable Jewish man who had risen from the grave is enveloped in a chariot cloud that transports him when he's saying goodbye to his disciples, right? To the Father. At that, this very moment in history, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the risen Lamb, walks back into the throne room of heaven. His eyes are burning with fire. His hair is as white as wool. His voice as the sound of many waters. He sounds more remarkable than the cascades of water at Niagara Falls. His feet are glowing as though they were in a blacksmith's furnace. He has a golden sash on his robe, and coming out of his mouth is a sharp, double-edged sword. His face is like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. This is the ascension moment, a moment of enthroning Jesus. This is his re-entry into heaven. He moves to take his place at the right hand of the Father, and in a state of permanence, he sits down. He has come home. He has returned. He is not bound to the eternity or the earthly realm anymore. He has ascended to the throne room and all authority and power is his. Jesus is far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is involved, invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything. So she says, Jesus' throne in heaven marginalizes all earthly thrones. His, every other throne or king is puny in comparison. His rule has supremacy over all other thrones, principalities, and powers. Nothing compares to his power and splendor. Now that just makes you understand he who sits in the heavens laughs at the futility and the foolishness that he sees going on. But can you imagine 
because we, this is why he says, we don't know him after the, according to the flesh, because we're thinking of that lovely Jesus that walked around, walked on water, did this, did that, but he, but he did more. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He got the keys. He went and took captivity captive. He has ascended on high, but he ascended as the first man on earth to ever overcome the work and destroy the works of the devil, walking in the covenant with the almighty God without sin, in perfection, keeping his eye on the king, manifesting the kingdom, walking free of fear, walking free of sickness, walking free of disease, releasing, even exercising resurrection power over death. And as he is, so are we in this world. This is the conversation. It is possible to live the life without fear. It is possible to live a life free of sickness and disease and torment. Instead, to be a torment to sickness and disease. Because when you show up, it scatters. It is possible to walk in absolute provision in everything. It is possible to, to keep your eye on God and do what he wants and to please him completely. How? We're the body of the Jesus that once walked the earth. We are the living microorganism for the Christ that has ascended on high for the head of the church. We are simply obeying what he does and we can walk in the perfection, the perfect love of God. We can walk without sin because that is the message and the power of the kingdom of God. And that's our conversation with you tonight. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? It is awesome. Everybody's going, what are you reading? I'm reading The Prophetic Warrior by Emma Stark. And that was from, I was reading a few pages out of that. So this is the book. I have the Kindle version as well. So this is the book that I was reading. It's one that I'm reading. I don't care if you read it too. That's why I'm showing it to you. So you can't say, oh, what was she reading? Did she tell? Are you gonna, no, I'm not going to tell you anything else. If you want to know and you missed it, you're going to have to rewind and watch it again. It's called The Prophetic Warrior, and it's by Emma Stark. All right. You may have seen her on Phil, uh, I mean on um, Sid Roth or something. But it's an awesome book if you are an intercessor and you want to learn more. And one thing she says, and we'll talk about it at the end, um, is the gifts that we have been given are not a um, spa day. These are things that we have been given because we're authorized by the head of the church to exercise in them. So we're getting ready to receive uh, the, the, um, the tithes and the offerings. I want to remind people that we have on Sunday Biblical Solutions for Life. Sessions 1 and 2. Session 1 is at 9.45 a.m. And session 2 begins at 11.45 a.m. And um, they're very, very good. Um, <laughs> I have a good time with them. And we go until 2 o'clock and you may think, wow, that certainly is a long time to be in church. No, it isn't. It's a wonderful time to be in the Word of God. It's a wonderful time to be able to be equipped, to be able to exercise your kingdom authority, to learn what you have, because you spend four or five hours here to go out there uh, for the rest of the week, and you have the and then come in here during the week or catch us online or whatever it is. It's a wonderful time, and it will change your thinking so that you'll never think that again. We can, we're the receiving of the offerings. It's www.astoundinglove. It's up there on, on the screen. 
And I love the way they designed the set because they want to you wanting to optimize your ability to be able to see. So those of you that are here, we're receiving the offerings this way after we go um, say goodbye to the people. I want to thank you. I'm two minutes over, so I need to say goodbye. I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. Um, if you have questions, the information is up there. And I bless you with God's astounding love. Thank you for having this Kingdom conversation with us. And we'll see you again next week. Good night.